All right. Thank you. Let's your water. Okay. Uh, a couple things. I, I do have a story. I think there's, I'm confident, there's only one reason Marshall asked me to preach, and that is because I, it might have been in the first class I'd taken with him. Um, I was sitting, I remember where I was, I was sitting in the front of the room, and it was an early class, and I don't want to talk in an early class. <clears throat> so, um, it, but, but we, were, we were having class discussion, and, and it, was a, it was like a side note discussion kind of thing, so I didn't feel particularly, like I didn't feel like it was necessary for me to be answering like, you know, all, the, all the stuff. Um, not to say that that was good, shouldn't necessarily have been that way, but I was, and, and he made some comment about um, the hypostatic union, and he was like, do any of you know what that is? And I did know what it was. Um, it's the, the fullness of God and the fullness of man in Jesus Christ, the hypostatic union. He said that, and I, I just, I didn't want to be that guy, you know? He was like, yeah, I know what that is, you know? So I didn't say anything, and he was like, good, because if you did, I would have given you 20 bucks. And I was like, it is the fullness of God and the fullness of man in Jesus Christ. I was like, do I get my 20 bucks? And apparently that was too late, so I didn't get my 20 bucks. And I think he asked me to preach to make up for that. The, the, so, but I don't, I don't know. Um, no, I, uh, I'm really happy to be here. I'm uh, honored to be here. I have a lot of respect uh, for Marshall. Forgive me. I'm, I'm sorry. I've had a cough, so my throat is dry. But um, yeah. thanks. Um, uh, but I'm really excited to be here. I'm going to go ahead and ask, and you, you bear with me, um, primarily because I did something really stupid, which I do a lot. Um, see, I've, I've preached kind of on this passage before, and my printer at home is broken. So I just dug through all my notes, and I found the notes from the last time I preached on this passage like a year and a half ago. And I, I took a pin to it and kind of edited everything, so it looks like the alphabet threw up on my notes. So I don't know how organized this will seem, but please, please stick with me. Um, I'm going to try to keep this in the 30-minute time slot I've been allotted. Uh, and if I don't, well, that's too bad because you're stuck here. Um, all right. Oh, good. Okay. Very good. Good. Um, all right, well, our, our passage, what I'm, what I'm going to be preaching from, is Colossians 2, um, 8 through uh, 15. Now, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And understand that the Bibles that are sitting in the chairs are ESVs, um, I think, which is handy because that's what I'm preaching from. So if you're concerned about reading from the same translation I'm preaching from, you've you got it. Um, and, and what I usually do is I'll just read through the passage I'm going to preach, and then I'll pray. And then I'll go back and break it down. I would ask that when I pray, you'd pray for me. Um, because I could come up here and deliver the most eloquent speech you've ever heard. And if God doesn't work, then I, I wasted my time and yours. Um, so I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll, uh, we'll dig into this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you've been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been, <clears throat> having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them um, in him. All right, so I'm going to pray for us. And like I said, I would just ask you to pray for me in this time. God, I want to come to you and I want to thank you for allowing me to do this. Um, I come just 
just trembling in your word because what I'm about to preach is eternal. Um, it's 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 your word, and I'm, and I'm preaching it from a, um, a finite, you know, sinful, um, sinful mouth, God, that, that you've redeemed for your glory. Um, and, I, and I pray that as I preach, uh, what I would say would be your word, um, that, that what I wouldn't do is come here and give my opinion and, and give some cool thoughts, God, but that, but that I would preach the truth. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, to give you a heads up, as I was praying about what I, what I felt kind of led to preach, um, and it, it didn't occur to me that this would be so fitting until I talked to Marshall but um, I, I felt led to do this passage um, and, and move in the direction of what that means about our sanctification or what that means about, about God making us more like Christ, okay? And I talked to Marshall, and he pointed out that was probably a really good thing to talk about on the first Sunday of Lent. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through. I'm going to break it down verse by verse. And I know when we read that and we see that, we're like, I'm not sure how that really directly applies to sanctification. But hang in there with me because I promise you it does. I'm not pulling this out of, out of nowhere. All right. Um, but uh, just keep tracking with me and, and, and we'll get through it together. All right. Start in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So he starts this this section here um, with a with a with an admonition with enc- with encouragement um, not to be taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit and, and it would be easy I think for us um, given the context that Paul's in to think maybe he's talking specifically about you know the the philosophy of, of the Greeks like like um, academic pursuits that's not the that's not the issue here. Um, um, the issue is what comes after that philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. So the issue is not can can I um, look for wisdom um, in philosophy or in academic pursuits or whatever. Um, the the issue is am I am I putting that through the filter of the word? Am I putting it through the filter of the gospel? Um, like that's the issue here. Um, because he goes on to say, um, according to you know to, to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world, excuse me, and not according to Christ. So his his concern here is is primarily um, don't don't take your focus off of Jesus is basically what he's saying. Okay, don't in your in your pursuit of, of wisdom or or of knowledge or of or of what we'll be talking about, sanctification um, and in whatever like don't take your eyes off of Christ. Don't be taken um, captive. Don't be deceived by some philosophy or some tradition that tells you that what you need is found outside of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Okay? For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Um, And I just talked about the hypostatic union, so you see how well that fits. Um, Jesus is the fullness of God and and the fullness of man in, in, in one person. And, and that is absolutely necessary um, because he would not have been a righteous enough, a sufficient sacrifice, sufficient replacement had he not been fully God. Because the fact is we couldn't do it ourselves. And so if Jesus was just a man, he wouldn't have been able to do it either. But he had to be fully man to be eligible to be our replacement. Um, he is the whole fullness of deity dwelling bodily. Um, and, and so you know, Colossians talks a lot about that. It's a really cool book, and I would recommend you read it. Um, 
the the whole like first chapter like it starts with you know he's the image of the invisible God and it talks about who Christ is in that way, um, and and so this is this is a concept that Paul's already been talking about in this book. He's not just bringing this up for the first time. Okay, so for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and he keeps coming to that because it's so important and it's such a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because of what comes next, and you've been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Okay, we're made full in Christ. All right, um, and and I, and I want us to stop, and I want us to consider what like what that really means. We're made full in Christ. We're made complete. Second Peter one four says we're made partakers of the divine nature. Okay, um, that if in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, he's he's fully fully God. And if that's true, and we're in Christ, then we have like this constant communion with God, right? Jesus is our, is our constant mediator. Okay, we're made full in Christ. Um, not, not in everything we try to do, not in all of the church services we go to, not in all of the volunteer projects we do. We're not made full in those things. We're made full in Christ, who's the, who's the fullness of deity um, dwelling bodily. In him also... You were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Okay, um, I'm not going to go into um, all the details of that. I think we, we all are on the same page with what is being talked about there. But circumcision was the mark of the Old Covenant, right? Okay, that was what that was. Um, and so he's, Paul, like he always is, he's pulling in what was, what was true, what still is true. You know, for, for that Old Covenant, okay, what they did. What, what their relationship to God was, and he's going to pull it around and show how that's completed in Christ. Um, by the way, so you know, um, there's not a book in the Bible that doesn't point to Jesus. So when Paul um, talks about what's in the Old Testament and then connects it to Jesus, like that, it's a big deal. Right, and, and here's here's what I mean. Um, we have this tendency. This is this one's for free. This is a total side note. Um, we have this tendency to um, to read things in the Old Testament like they're just really cool historical stories. Okay? And, and I know that because I'm a history major, so what I do at school and what I do in my research paper is research papers is I just look up historical stuff and I research it and then I write about it. Okay? And that's exactly how we tend to approach the Old Testament. Like, this happened. Cool. Um, and, and our takeaway from that is we should have more faith, um, which might be true, but that's not the full thing there. Let me give you an example. I'm David and Goliath, which, you know, we all read growing up, you know, in, in Sunday school or VBS, whatever. And we, we hear the story of David and Goliath and, and what's the takeaway? It's always like, have faith and you can kill your giants or something, right? Have more faith. Have more faith. Do this. Do that and everything will be okay. Um, that is not the point of David and Goliath. Okay. Um, point of David and Goliath is, let me start with, you're not David in that story. I'm not David in that story. When I read just, okay, David and Goliath, that David's not me. I'm the Israelites. Like that's, I'm scared in my tent because Goliath is going to kill me and he's killed like all my friends and I don't want to go fight him. That's me. Jesus is David who goes forward and kills the giant for me. Okay. That's, that's what's going on there. All right. Or um, and and it's, absolutely that should inspire faith. So I'm not saying that that's not part of it, but, but you're not David in that story. 
Okay, or in um, let's say let's say with the story of Jonah, um, <clears throat> let's just break it down. Um, someone is sent to redeem people who were abhorrent. Okay, terrible, terrible, rebellious people who deserve nothing but God's wrath. Okay, someone sent to redeem them. He goes and he's stuck in um, this dark, painful, dead place for three days, comes out and all those people are redeemed. Does that remind you of anybody else? Okay, Jesus, um, in case you were wondering. Uh, by the way, every now and then I'll say something and you can respond to me. Like, that's okay. Like, I know I come from like a kind of a Southern Baptist tradition and we have this really bad... Um, uh, stigma, I guess, for, for like, you know, curmudgeon like, just, but it's okay, you can talk to me here, right? We can interact, we're all friends, we're all friends, right? Um, and so, so what Paul's doing here is he's doing what he always does, and he's, he's showing what happened then relates to Jesus. It's pointing forward to him, that all the promises of God found their yes in Christ, all the covenants God made are fulfilled in Jesus, it's about Jesus. In Hebrews, you see where talks about how um, you know our brothers and sisters in the Old Testament they're saved by their faith in the coming of in the, like God's promises they, they have faith in what God will do and everything that God would do is fulfilled in Christ so for all intents and purposes our brothers and sisters in the Old Testament were still saved by faith in Jesus okay the whole thing's about Jesus whole thing's about Jesus um, and and so what he's doing here is he's starting he's, he's explaining um, in Christ, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So you were marked in this covenant by Christ. And your flesh has been put off by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay. So he's relating baptism to the sign of this covenant, the same way circumcision was the sign of that covenant. Okay, that's, that's the connection there. Okay, that, that in Christ, we've been, we've been marked, but not physically, but, but something much deeper, something much more meaningful. <coughs> and who we were, our flesh has been put off. And we've been raised with Christ in the power, by the power of God, who raised Christ from the dead. Okay, and the whole life and death thing, he sticks with that motif, actually, all the way through the New Testament. But it happens here, too. I get really excited about that and the whole life and death thing for a couple reasons. Um, but I don't want to spoil the end, so I'll just keep going. All right. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing to the cross. Okay, so you who were what? Okay, this is where you can say something. Dead. Cool. What do dead people do? Nothing. Have you been to a funeral lately? I, I have. Okay, in the past few months, I was, I was, I was at a funeral um, in July. So it was actually six months ago. Seven. What month is it? I don't know. I can't count. It was last year. Less than a year ago. So... It's a good thing you're history Listen, if you have no idea how bad I am at math. Like, None. It's completely irrelevant. It's horrible. But no, really. I can't count. It, it's a miracle. I, it's, oh, it's terrible. Anyway, in fact, I'll say this. The only reason I got through math, I'm convinced, is the grace of God. 
All right. See, going to tie it into the Bible. I need to like be preaching. I shouldn't be talking about how bad I am at math. Um, anyway, so I, I promise you, dead people don't really do much. They're just they're just kind of there, right? Um, here's what we need to understand about sin, about about who we are outside of Christ, because we have this tendency to think sin makes me bad. Sin is bad. Sin is me doing things I shouldn't be doing. But sin is much deeper than that. Sin does not make me bad. Sin made me dead. Okay? I, I, was, I was dead. Jesus didn't come to make me good when I was bad. He came to make me alive when I was dead. And, and there's, a, there's a tremendous difference there. Okay? Because can a dead person raise himself? No. no but now maybe a bad person, if they try really hard, can like do good things. But a dead person can't do anything. Nothing. And so as long as... As long as we're looking at... And here's where it begins to tie into sanctification. I told you I'd bring it in. Um, As long as we're looking at our sanctification as this... I need to do more and try harder. I need to do these things better. um, Then we're ignoring the fact that sin has made me dead. And that Jesus made me alive. And what we do when we do that is, is... We make this terrible mistake of going to people who are not believers... Who are still dead... And what we do is we walk up and they're, they're like dead on the table. What we do is we take a bunch of medicine and we put it on the table next to the dead guy and we're like, take all that. When even if they were alive, it's too much for them to take anyway. But, but the dead person's not going to take the medicine because they're dead. What they need is to be made alive. What we need is to be made alive. And that's what Christ did. Okay, We're made alive in him. Um, I... I love this. I had a friend who did pre-med at Alabama, and they had like this, this like these like hands-on exercises basically in the ER when he was there. And this woman comes in. She was she was dead. Like her heart was not beating. She was not breathing. She was not alive. And so she rushes in, and these interns, you know, these kids who are in pre-med stuff, like they're like, yeah, okay, here, the, well, it's called the Ambu bag, right? You know, they put it in and they breathe for you, and they're like pumping her heart, and they're they're making her body work. And then all of a sudden starts working on its own. Now, I don't know if she ended up making it. What I know is she was dead and then she wasn't. Okay. Um, now, now, did she do that or did someone else? Someone else. Because dead people don't raise themselves. Dead people are dead. I'm going to break something if I'm not careful. Dead people are dead. We were dead... We were dead in our sins. We were dead in the trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh. God made us alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So, so we didn't we didn't do this, okay? Um, we we didn't. I, did, I didn't somehow make myself alive. Um, there's a I, and, and, I, and I love the passage. Um, and and I'm, I'm going to do this cautiously because I, I don't want to unnecessarily offend. But there's passages that people quote a lot. You know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Okay, um, when they're talking about salvation, and that passage is about fellowship with with God. Okay, um, not specifically about <coughs> salvation because because dead people don't answer doors. Okay, Jesus like kicked the door down, ran in, and resuscitated me in my kitchen floor. He wasn't knocking, and I answered it. All right, I was I was dead. He's forgiven us all our trespasses 
by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Mind you, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, so if I'm not careful, we'll be here until dinner. Um, I'll try not to do that to you. Um, The record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. You see, what we've earned is God's wrath. Like, like we have this tendency when we think about God um, and when we think about the things that happened to us or when we think about hell, um, we think, God, how could you whatever? Um, and it's because we have a, a man-centered view of this relationship we have with God, see? Um, because what I've racked up with God is not like I haven't gone to church and like gained some points and put God in my debt. Okay, I was in his debt so far that I couldn't pay it back if I had eternity, which I unfortunately had waiting for me. Okay, um, because, because sin essentially is cosmic treason. And I don't know if you know much about treason. People don't take it lightly. Like in man-made governments, much less does God take it lightly. Um, I, was, I was in rebellion against him. Okay, I'd, I'd earned his wrath. And, and, and his wrath is not in opposition to the fact that he's loving and gracious. Rather, it, it, it magnifies that trait, you see. Because when I recognize that I've earned God's wrath and instead he's given me his grace, I'm, I'm more in awe of that. Um, I owed God a debt. Okay, and, and, and what I was going to say, we, we have this tendency, okay, God, how dare you, let's say, how dare you send people to hell? Like, my, my family member who I love, who's such a nice person, how could you, how could you, if they're not in Christ, send them to hell? Um, and that, that just displays, we have it, the improper view of sin, of who God is and who we are. Because the question should be, God, how could you... Instead of, God, how could you let bad things happen to me? Or, God, how could you let my you know, family member go to hell you know, if they're not in Christ? Whatever, whatever it might be. Instead of seeing it like that, if we, if we recognize how far in debt we are to God, um, the question becomes, God, if, if you are all-powerful and completely good and completely just, how could you let me wake up today knowing all the things I did, said, and thought yesterday? Like, I owe God a debt. Okay, what have I done to earn my heart beating right now? Absolutely nothing. I was just born with it. What have I done to earn the breath I'm breathing? Or the water I'm drinking? Like, absolutely nothing. What did I do to earn the fact that I just drove from Decatur safely? Nothing. It's over and over and over again. Like... God keeps showing me this grace. And in my sin, I rebel against I've owed God a debt that I can't pay back. That's bad news. Here's the good news. He's forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Okay? So I was helpless incapable of doing anything for myself. He set all that aside. He nailed it to the cross. He did it. And, and, and as my sin is poured out on Christ on the cross and the Father crushes the Son, 
under the weight of his wrath for my sin. Okay, and Jesus comes back three days later. Okay, so Jesus walks out of the tomb and like my sin, the debt I owed, all that is still lying there dead. It's 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 take it's done. He nailed it to the cross. It's finished. Like when Jesus said it's finished, I don't think I don't think he was kidding. Like I feel like he was pretty confident in that. I don't think he just said stuff to say it. It was finished. He canceled the record record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Now let me ask you this. Up to this point, um, because all we've really truly talked about is our justification or the fact that we're now seen as innocent before God. Okay, that's all we've really touched on. So let me ask you this. What have, what have I done? I'll make this about me. What have I done in regards to my justification up to this point? Other than be dead. I mean, nothing. Nothing. And you, you move on to verse 15. Keep that in mind. Move on to verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So the cross of Christ marks this, marks this defeat over everything that could ever accuse us. Like in, in Romans 8 where it says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it says. Um, that, that, that it's, it's done. Okay? He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So everything that could accuse me, everything that can, that can tempt me, everything like include, including my flesh. Okay? He, he disarmed those things. He triumphed over them. The victory is his. He's imparted that victory to us. Okay? He disarmed them. Like, again, David kills Goliath and the Philistines run away. Yeah, same thing. He disarmed them. Sent them running. Okay, it's, it's done. So, so what, is this, what does this have to do with our sanctification? Because all we've really talked about is that, is that my debt was nailed to the cross of Christ. That I'm seen as innocent because that's paid for. Okay? That's, that's, that's all we've really touched on so far. I'm free from all that I've earned for myself. And I'm given all that Jesus has earned for me. Later on in Colossians, in the very next chapter, um, where Paul really starts to break down what it looks like to be sanctified. Um, just one verse real quick. It's, it's Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now he says, therefore. Which means something came before that qualifies that statement. Which means this command we're given to put these things to death is, is preceded by something. So what is that? If then... You've been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, so Christ is completely sufficient in my justification. I couldn't earn it. I needed him. Okay, we're justified in Christ alone. And we'd all agree with that. The problem is when we start thinking about our sanctification we don't apply the gospel to that as well. 
Can we make our sanctification about us and not about Jesus? It, Galatians talks about that. Having begun in the Spirit and yet perfected by the flesh? Like, if, if you couldn't start it, what makes you think you can continue it? What makes you think it's about you? And so we have this tendency, this terrible tendency, and I'm preaching to myself here. So I, I realize my justification occurs. That, that's when I look to Christ. But then I think about my sanctification, and all of a sudden I start looking at myself, and I see all my flaws, and I dwell on my sin, and I dwell on trying to, to kill it myself and do it myself, and then I, it just it gets worse. I don't know how to move forward. But it's because I took my eyes off the thing that started it. That the same grace I need to save me, I need to keep me. The same grace I needed to save me, I need to grow me. And my sanctification doesn't come from dwelling on myself because, by the way, I'm a thing that's on the earth. Um, my, my sanctification doesn't come from me dwelling on myself and looking at myself and dwelling on my sin and like, how do I, how do I, how do, I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? My sanctification comes from, from dwelling on the gospel and looking to Christ who kills my sin. Okay? So, so we're justified when we set our eyes on Jesus and we're sanctified not by trying to do all these things to earn our sanctification. Jesus already earned it. We're sanctified by not looking away. And what's the most important thing in someone's what's the most important thing someone needs to hear? Someone needs before they become a Christian. To hear the gospel, to, they need Jesus, right? Like the gospel is the most important message someone can hear before they're in Christ. What's the most important thing someone needs after they're in Christ? The answer is still the same. It doesn't change. It's, it's still Jesus. It's still the gospel. He's the one who did it. If my life is in him, then what makes me think I can look to myself to somehow make myself better? When the whole point of the gospel is I couldn't do anything for myself anyway. And, and we're in this season of Lent, right? And, and so for, for those of us you know, who, who participate in that, this is, this is a time for us to, to consider sanctification. You know, like, how do, how do I grow? How do I move forward? And what concerns me is that very often we make it about us. Right? Which is the same reason everybody advertises what they give up for Lent. It's like all over stinking Facebook. Even the people who give up Facebook for Lent make a status before they leave, like, oh, I'm giving up Facebook for Lent. Like, it's just, we put it out there because we make it about us and what we're doing and what we need to do and what we should be doing. And, and, and we're trying to sanctify ourselves with the very thing that we couldn't justify ourselves with, and that is ourselves. Okay, I don't need me. I need less of me. I need Jesus. I needed Jesus before I had Jesus, and now that I have Jesus, I still need Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. That's why if you ever hear me preach, Ever. I don't care what it is, the gospel is always integral to it. I'm not going to go through and then at the end be like, oh, by the way, here's the gospel. Because I think that even the things we're called to, 
putting to death, therefore, what's earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. The things we're called to is a result of the gospel, the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ compels us. Okay, um, Ephesians 2.10 where it says, uh, created for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, like a lot of us know that verse. But what about the nine verses before it that talk about how like Jesus made us alive when we were dead, that we're saved to our works, not because of them. So when we put that in context, all of a sudden even the things we're called to start and end with Jesus. Start and end with the gospel. My sanctification... My growth, the season of Lent, where maybe you're 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 in that place, where you're considering like I need moving forward, growth, sanctification, is not a result of the things that we do. It's a result of dwelling on what Jesus already did. Let me give you a perfect example from my life because I believe in transparency. Most of you don't know me. You're about to know a lot about me. Sorry. Okay. So. Last year was, was a long year for me. And it, it was one of those things. I didn't realize it until like the year was over. And I looked back and I was like, oh my gosh, I just got the snot kicked out of me, man. Like it was just like over like one thing after another, after another, after another. <clears throat> um, I, and, and without going into too much detail to protect the integrity of other people involved, um, something happened very near to the beginning of the year that fundamentally changed the way I viewed some of the relationships closest to me. Okay? And so I was wrestling through that. What do I do about this? How do, how do I handle this? And, and that really takes place in my life from, from uh, the end of March all the way through the summer. Okay? Kind of a painful process. Literally, without, again, I can't give too much away f- for the sake of other people. But literally the day after I think that's settled, I wake up and find out that this mentor of mine, this father figure in my life, known him since I was 11, literally half my life, has died of an unexpected heart attack. So, like, I finally get that taken care of, and literally I wake up the next day, the next day, after there's been this huge moment of, like, closure, and it's awesome, wake up the next day, and and Vince has died, okay? And and so I begin to to deal with that. All right, I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's cool, right? Because... Because it's, that's, that's not so bad. I'll, I'll be all right. Vince was a believer, and I can rejoice in that, and that's beautiful. And as I'm dealing with that, um, my, real, my dad um, begins to go in and out of the hospital, like a lot. Like we were concerned for his life, a lot. Like lost his job over all of it, a lot. Um, and, and these things were coming out about stuff that he dealt with as a child, things that happened to him. And so, so I begin to have to, to care for my dad in a way that, that I was not expecting to have to do, especially at, at, at my age. And, and just, you know, waiting on calls in the middle of the night like, hey, your dad's in the hospital. You need to, you need to get there, you know. And, and so, so I'm dealing with all this. And, and that, that goes on for several months. And then in, it kind of settles some in November, but it, but it ends with my dad having to move to Blount County. He moves out of Decatur, and to give you a little background on that, um, my, my parents got divorced when I was 16. I never really knew my dad before. We never had a great relationship, and so, so for the past few years that he'd been back in Decatur, I'd been rebuilding that relationship. God really brought about some redemption there, and it was a really awesome, powerful thing. We don't have time for that story. But so right around the time, 
I, I begin to rebuild this relationship. Now he's gone again. And so I'm, now I'm like, okay, well, I'll, it's okay. I'll deal with this. And then in November, immediately after my dad has moved away, the girl I've been dating for almost three years. And we're good, by the way. Some of them I know are, I don't know. But we're, we're really good. Like, I'm, so this isn't like a mean thing. Okay. But, but she actually handled all of, a lot of integrity um, and, and grace and kindness. But I've been dating for almost three years. Like, we're planning on getting married, and she breaks up with me. <laughs> so, like, everything I'm now considering about my future. So I'm looking at my present, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And then I'm looking at my future, and I'm like, no, I have no idea what's happening there either. <laughs> and so I'm just kind of stuck. I'm like, everything, like, all these things that are important to me, Vince, and, and, and this relationship with my dad that I'm, I'm rebuilding, it's awesome. Now he's gone. And, and now, now this this relationship I thought I was going to have, like this girl I thought I was going to marry, all that's taken away and it all happens just all at once. Like all at the same time. And the following months for me have been a time of some of the most growth and, and, and movement and sanctification and, and just dwelling on Christ that I've ever experienced. But I did nothing to get there. Like, literally what it was was everything in my life was, like, stripped until all I could focus on was Jesus. And then I started growing. It wasn't because I was trying to do all the right things. It was because I realized, like, I got nothing. I don't have control over this, which is good because, frankly, I've locked my keys in my house like six times in the last year and a half. I don't need control, okay? I don't have control over this, over the things that are happening to me. I barely have control over how I respond to it. I, like, I, I just collapsed. And then something, like, broke. And I was like, I, I just need Jesus. Like... And I'm just dwelling on him. And this dependence has resulted in growth. Not because I've been intentional in my life about, oh, I'm doing all these things wrong, I need to do them right. But because I've been focused on Christ, all these areas of my life that I was unaware, I was struggling in, all of a sudden I'm like, man, like, like, I do need to grow in that area. And as I'm focusing on Christ, I'm finding myself growing in that area. Not because I'm concerned about the sin, but because I'm concerned about Christ who died for my sin. My sanctification is not secured by the things I do, but by what Christ has already done. My justification comes when I look to Jesus. My sanctification occurs as I don't look away. And it's easy for us. We understand this part, that our absolution, our forgiveness, it's found in Jesus. That life is found in Christ. That righteousness in God's eyes is found in Christ. That our only way to God is through Jesus. We get that, but we tend to stop there, and we can't. Because the grace we need to save us, we need to keep us as well. And, look, I I mean, I don't know where everybody is. You know, I... I know some of your names. I don't, I don't know your heart. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know any of that. Um, but we're going to go into a time where, where we can respond to God. Um, and, and so for some of you in here, you might need to, to kind of repent of trying to make your sanctification about you. You need, you need to look to Jesus. Because effectively what we've done is we made idols of ourselves and said, now that I'm in Christ, I got it. I can handle this. And you can't. 
Maybe you need to repent of that. Or, or maybe you're in Christ and you've, you've been looking at Jesus and you've, you've been you know, growing and, and, and you just want to take this time to thank God for that. Fantastic. Do that. Or you could be in here and you've never actually put your faith in Jesus. And, and you feel God leading you to that now. You know, maybe you're in here and, and you could have grown up in church. And maybe you're just beginning to realize how desperate your need for Jesus is. That, that your faith can't be put in yourself and you go to Jesus for some consolation. But, but, but that Christ is completely sufficient. That, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we could be the righteousness of God. That I am helpless without him. That my sin was put on Jesus. It was crushed on Jesus. Jesus was crushed for my sin. And in exchange, the most unfair exchange in history, I get his righteousness through faith in him. And you're getting that for the first time, and, and you want to repent and believe in the gospel. And look, I don't know where you are, but, but what I'm asking is that right now, wherever you are, you respond how God is leading you to respond. Um, and, and I'm going to pray for us, and um, we're going to go into that time. Um, but, but I would just ask that you respond to God the, the way he's leading you to. God, we come to you, and thank you. Um, for what your word says about our salvation, our justification, not just our justification, but, but our sanctification as well. That, that not only did you purchase my forgiveness, but you purchased my growth. You purchased, through Christ, me being conformed to the likeness of Christ. And I pray that all of us in here would stay focused on Jesus. That as opposed to dwelling on our sin and the things that we feel like we need to change, we would dwell on Jesus who died to make us alive. Who died to kill our sin, to separate us from our sin. And I pray now as we go into a time of response, um, God, that as you're leading us to respond, we would respond. Pray these things in Jesus' name because it's the only name by which I can come to you. Amen. This time, Rachel, if you'll come up. I, you know, uh, when we come to this part of the service, I know it, a lot of people maybe you're thinking about something else. I know I've done that many a time myself. But, you know, like Brother Nathan said, I mean, before we had Jesus, we needed Jesus. Now that we have Jesus, we still need Jesus. And I know for for myself that that's. Uh, really spoke to my heart, so uh, I do thank you for the, for that message. But you know, right now, really, really, uh, uh, you know, pray to God, seek what uh, He has for you. Um, obviously, uh, the altar's open if you'd like to come forward. If you want somebody to pray with you, or if you just want to spend some time here with the Lord, or if you want to pray there. But um, you know, I do encourage you to uh, really pray to God at this time. <clears throat>